So a lot of my career has been based around live music. Performing shows early on in my life was one of the best experiences that I could ever have as an artist and as a creator. It always had me wondering, what is it like to tour? You know, we would open up for artists that would come through our town and I would see them on their tour buses and I, I, I would watch these artists through tour videos and behind the scenes videos online. And I always just aspired to, to know what it's like to fly in private jets or have a ton of tour buses. And just, you know, I was even jealous of people who toured in Sprinter vans. And I always found myself reaching out to people and trying to get a little insight on that. And now that I've toured with a couple major artists around the world a few times, I'm now the one getting asked what it's like to be on tour. And so today I thought, you know, let's break down what it is like to be on tour and those experiences behind the scenes and how people should prepare for being on the road whenever this COVID bullshit dips out. So we're going to get into that right after this beautiful ass intro. Right, motherfucking now! And welcome back to another morning roast edition of the Black With No Cream podcast, where we deep dive into creative topics with the goal of giving you a daily dose of motivation and inspiration. You are now listening to the number one podcast for content creators on earth, discussing the ins and outs of freelancing, filmmaking, photography, business, and more. And now your hosts, coming to you live from the Black With No Cream headquarters in Los Angeles, off their fourth cup of coffee, Ben Haggerty and David Malave. So last night we're filming this Cal Scrooby video, this music video, outside the office. And it's he hasn't put it out yet, so it's coming soon. But this shit's too funny. I don't want to forget it. So we're standing outside, and part of the music video, Cal gets like stabbed a shit ton by like this homeless dude that just wanted some money, um, and Cal didn't have time for him or whatever. And so Cal's getting stabbed like ferociously, just constantly getting got got got. And it's one of those knives that you know that have those blades that like go in and out of the the handle or whatever. So he gets stabbed a ton of times. So he's got this shirt that has a bunch of blood all over. He's got blood all over his hands. We're shooting for a while, and I don't know where this cop car pulls up super fast. And they have their sirens on and shit. And I was like, God damn. The first thing I was thinking was, fuck, we don't have a permit. And they're going to get us. And then I was like, the second thing I was thinking was like, fuck, it's after 10 o'clock. And there's that whole pandemic, uh, you know, curfew or whatever. I'm like, are we going to get in trouble for that shit? And then the cops get out and like six, seven cars, cars follow up. They all pull up real quick. And they're like, put your hands up in the air. Put your hands up in the air. I was like, damn, for, for no permit? Like, what the fuck? And as I put my hands up in the air, I look over at Cal and I know I remember what we were doing. And he's got this bloody ass shirt with stab holes all over him. And and uh uh Chase, who was the guy that stabbed him, is holding his knives in the air. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh shit. <laughs> it was the craziest shit ever. I I wish we had footage of it. We don't, but that story I, I never want to forget. So next time I randomly listen to this episode, I just want to remember that that shit happened. That story is amazing, bro. I can't believe it. Yeah. What did you guys what did you guys tell them? We were just after like happened? Yo, we're shooting a music video. We're shooting a music video. And like they're kind of assessing it and they can realize that the stab guys just stand there breathing totally fine and is definitely not bleeding or asking for yeah. help. Someone <laughs> He's just definitely drove not by. stabbed. The stab guy's not stabbed. Yeah, the stab guy is not stabbed. Someone just drove by and saw someone getting fucking just daggered to death and you know did their due diligence, but whew, Bro, that, that is hilarious. Shit was crazy. But what's up with you? You just got a new surfboard. How was it? It's dope, man. Yeah, just I caught the new surfboard, went out this morning, and it's a learning curve. Got dopping a new one, but uh, we're going, I think we're going later today, so gonna keep keep going at it. I'm just uh, enjoying this last week. I'm heading home on Monday, so yeah, just kind of, nice. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even fronting. I'm kind of like already kind of mentally, mentally checking out. You know, I, I see the holidays, I see Christmas coming up next week, and I'm just kind of like, 
you know, you got the family ready to ready for me to come home. So I'm excited to to spend some time and kind of reset and and get ready for the new year, you know? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna have a cool episode next week about this topic of like resetting for the new year and some plans that you know, ways strategies for that shit. So look forward to that. But today I you know, I think it what's cool about this episode is we just as you know, last week we started changing the content that we upload to our YouTube channel. Before it was always the podcast. Now we have a second channel for the podcast, our main channel. We're going to start really devoting a lot of time and energy to creating more like shorter form educational pieces of content. Last week was the run it back episode. I ran it back on this NBA live project that I shot and taught you kind of how I create recap videos from like an episode that it's called run it back. So that was like 2016. And then this week we dropped an in the field episode and we had done it and the real ones know they've seen the older attempts at the in the field episodes that we've done in the past. And now we want to bring them back to life. And so we went in the field with Danilo Lewis, which, you know, after having the video drop and, and watching and everything, it made me and Dave want to talk about what it is like to be on tour because he takes us on tour or he takes us behind the scenes with the chain smokers in that video. He's their personal photographer. This dude's been on the podcast before and has a really cool story. He's been photographing forever. And I think he's just got like an insane work ethic. And he was lucky enough to on the, on this tour. And I think it was like December, they were in uh, Chicago last year. And um, he was able to get the chain smokers to approve him allowing Nikos to come on, come out to one of their shows and document what his day's like on, on tour. And, and so the video really gives you a cool, deep insider look but what I wanted to bring up is like, for me, I think this this type of content and obviously the reason why we want to make more shit like this for the YouTube channel is like, what a cool opportunity to see what it's like to be someone like Danilo, right? Like to to go and see what it's like to be on a bus, to go see what it's like to to work with the production team and to plan your shot list and to, you know, make sure you're getting all your coverage or being with the artist, traveling with the artist, like all the things that he talks about there. I think it's so insightful and I think it would have been super helpful to have that type of shit the first time I went on tour before I went on tour to understand like what I was getting myself into or even, you know, we always talk about it. Like I used to watch all these videos behind the scenes videos cause I wanted to know what that life was like. So when I was ready to get on the road, I could come into it understanding it already and be able to maybe add my own twist or my own sauce to it. You know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm talking about? Yeah, definitely. I think the coolest part about the, the in the field series or a video like this is that, idea right where it's like you would want to be a touring photographer man i want to be a touring videographer we hope to go in the field with music video directors and vfx artists or whatever and it's like you get to peek behind the curtain and see like what skills does someone need to have or gear do they need to have or how do they think to be able to do the types of things that they do you know yeah. and like it's so cool because we can have someone on the podcast and they can tell us and tell stories about how they did xyz but to really have like that that like you know pov behind the scenes look and have them tell you and show you things, I think it's like a whole different level of like being able to teach, you know? So for like this touring stuff, you know, people might look up to Nilo or other touring photographers, videographers and think like, man, I wish I could be them. Like they get to just, you know, live the high life and, and fly on private jets and sh shoot all this type of stuff. And then, you know, you get to watch a video like this and get to see, you know, how he's really, you know, meticulously planning out his shot, his shots and understanding like where he's getting around the stadium and, and he's working with Pyro and understanding when that's going off. And, you know, after the show, he's editing for two hours. And before the show, he's he's planning out stuff. And it's like a, a job. And I think if someone was to watch this video and go on tour, you would be ahead of the game in, in terms of like trying to figure out your workflow, you know? Yeah. I've had a lot of experience touring 
ever since I was in like high school, we would go out and I'd be in little punk bands and shit. And we'd go tour around like the Midwest and go up to Minnesota or go up to Fargo, North Dakota, all the way from Iowa. And we'd pack up into like a 15 passenger van and just mob around with the homies and play these basement shows. And I always dreamt at that time that I wanted to be able to go and tour in a bus. Like I remember in that punk era and even in hip hop, it was like you'd see bands like get to go on Warp Tour. And when you went on Warp Tour, the smaller bands would always partner with another band to go in on a tour bus together. And so they would split a tour bus and they'd have like 12 bunks so both the bands could be in there. And I always was like, man, that's so cool that these people get to be on a tour bus. Like what's that? What's that like to live on a bus? Like, it's gotta be so cool to like be in this house on wheels and get to go around and just play music all the time. And, and like that just inspired the fuck out of me all, to see that type of shit. And I remember I have this, this band called Make Doing Men. They were like a really cool pop punk band. They played in Iowa City, which is like an hour from my hometown. So I drove to Iowa City to see them play that show. And they had a tour bus and they were like, yo, you wanna come on the bus? And so me and whoever I was with, we went up in the bus and just like kicked it. And I thought, I, dude, I remember walking around there just being like, fuck, there's like a back lounge and you have this big ass TV, you got the PlayStation and all the games and you just get to chill and like everyone's in here, you got the beds. I just was so inspired and wanted to have that shit. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be able to experience that for long durations of, for, of time. And, and so I would just like, I don't know, just getting that access was like the only thing I had. Like I really didn't get any other exposure to it outside of that. And so it is important to be able to create videos like this and show you shit like what it is like to be on the bus or where how Danilo goes and sets up to be able to edit and all that shit. And I don't want to just, we can talk about, just go watch the video. We don't have to talk about it too much, but I remember that inspired me so much and getting an idea of it was cool. But I think being able to lean into this type of content helps you understand some of the motives and planning that you need to take advantage of on the road. You know what I mean? So like my question for you, Dave, so Dave's first time touring was way different than mine. Mine was like 12 dudes, greasy as fuck, not showering in a fucking van. The next tour was Schoolboy Q, which was still, you know, a bunch of dudes in a, in a tour bus, but like we didn't sleep in hotels and shit. We stayed in the tour bus. We were in that thing. And then Beyonce and Jay-Z's tour was like awesome tour bus times, but we were in it very little because we got to stay in really cool hotels and shit. So for you, before you got to go on a tour, especially like being interested in EDM and like wanting to work with those types of artists, you were just shooting local, but what did you think touring was going to be like before, obviously, you got to experience tour? Like, did you, did you, A, did you want to be on tour or did you just want to shoot shows? No, I mean, dude, of course. I think, I think as, if you like to shoot music, you know, and you're shooting locally and you, like, I think it's a very common aspiration to go on tour. That's, it seems, it's like kind of like a milestone. And when I was starting out uh, shooting locally, my thing was like, okay, cool. Like, get to, the tour was the first like goal that I would set for myself in the sense of like, if I can get on tour, then I'm doing something right. Right. Because right. if I can go from locally to developing relationships with artists to one of them actually like being impressed enough with me to offer me a tour, I considered that as like, okay, if I can get to that spot, then I have a shot to get out of like Austin, San Antonio, Texas and move. Right. So it's like, then your, your horizon, your horizons open in that sense. And tour offers you the opportunity to go to New York, to go to LA, to go to, whatever. So that was a big aspiration for me. I think I got a taste of it when I did, I did like a run in Texas. I did like a Houston, Austin, Dallas run where we did three shows with, I did it with a, with an EDM duo. And that gave me a taste of it where I could understand like the hustle of it and me not sleeping even on that three show tour on that three show little run. And just like the show ends at, you know, whatever, 12. And then I'm up till four because I'm, I'm 
editing like the illest 20 album, 20 photo album. Plus I'm, I'm kicking them like some raw clips that I'm like boomeranging and doing all the speed ramps and shit. And I'm just so hyped to like impress them. And then, you know, you, you're like running in the air on the, in the airport and you're like flying to the next city and you're fucking tired, but then you got to go shoot like stuff in the city. Cause you want to make the recap look cool. You know what I mean? You don't want it to just be the show. And like, by the end I was so exhausted. I remember I was like, literally like dying in the hotel because I like overbooked myself and I booked shoots in Austin like the day after. So the show ends at like midnight on Saturday or whatever. And it was like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing. And they're all like starting to party and they're like, Oh, I have a drink, bro. You're like, dude, we, you definitely got to be a part of the team, whatever. And I'm like, I got to bounce, bro. And I like went to the airport and the next day I had to shoot. And that was like a big learning experience for me on, on that sense. And I feel like it was a prep when I went on tour with, with B and J, it was like, we had had that Coachella experience. So I kind of already knew the grind of it, but I'm always a grind type person, but it's definitely like when you get a taste of it and you see what it's really like, I think it takes the veil of like glamor off it, you know? Cause I think from the outside perspective, it can seem so glamorous and just like, yo, this is tight. Like you just fucking chill and shoot a show and then you're, and then you and then you just go to the next city. And like from the outside, that's what it looks like. But what it really is, is just like, a lot of staying up late, a lot of grinding, like you're, you're there to do a job. Right. And it, it's like people go on vacation and they get to travel and they're on vacation. We on tour, you're like on vacation, but you're working the whole time. Right. So you got to be able to understand that, like work hard, play hard mindset where there are times where you're going to be able to like really enjoy yourself and go out. And there's also times where you got to buckle down and realize that just because you're in Amsterdam, you know, doesn't mean that you can Go see the red light district. Go, yeah, go see the red because you gotta, because you gotta like, you gotta be editing at two a.m. You gotta be still trying to impress and like deliver. You know? Yeah, you're on their clock. You're on the clock of of the tour and the production, and the world doesn't revolve around you. Like, like when we were speaking of Amsterdam, when I was there the first time with Q, I remember we were in Amsterdam. We played this show. After the show, they took the bus. We needed to like sleep, right? But they didn't get hotels because they're just like, no, nah, we're not getting. Everyone sleeps on the bus, so. They brought the bus to like this parking lot that was so far from anything that like we couldn't, like I edited our woodwork and then to even leave to go to like to walk around in the whatever that area is to like just go walk around. We couldn't even, we'd have to like get a taxi or an Uber and Uber I think was like not that fire back then or whatever. So you couldn't even go do that shit. You couldn't even like go experience this stuff. You're like in this major city, but you're working all the time and then you're kind of at the helm of like, you know, whoever the coordinator is for the whole thing. Because if they're like, all right, hey, we have a, a bus that's going to take you into the city. You guys can do whatever you want. We're going to pick you up at midnight. So go have fun. It's not really ever like that. You know what I mean? Like unless the artist really wants to go do some shit and you're with them at their hip, you get to experience that stuff. But I think like, you know, overall you're preparing yourself for long days. Like how many times do we go to the venue because our call, we had a call time it's like working a regular job on set. You you show up to your call time. All right, we got to get up. The bus is leaving at 10 o'clock. So we're all getting out of the hotel. We hop on the bus. We go to the venue. And then there's nothing to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no one there. There's no rehearsals. You know, you can do the average shit, which is like shooting and establishing. Like, there's no one here. And this is what the venue looks like before the chaos. And you get, like, that kind of content. But other than that, you're really just kind of chilling and waiting and catching up on whatever work you still have left to do from the day before, you know? So it's like... It's funny how your day could start at like 10 a.m. And then your day might not end till like 4 or 5 a.m. And people don't understand that there's that like long haul of a day 
that could be a lot of standing around, could be like a lot of miscellaneous shit, could be a lot of like, oh, I'm going to edit for a little bit. Oh, the artist is doing something. I'm going to go over and shoot them real quick. So you're, you also have to have like this. It's funny how you have to have like that mentality to be able to quick shift and be creative on multiple levels. Like if you're editing, but then someone's doing something, you have to like switch to be able to go document and come up like with what is it that I'm documenting? How am I documenting it? All right, cool. They're done. I have another two hours. I got to go back and get back on the edit. So now you got to get back and be able to just dive into being as creative as you were when you left. You know what I mean? It's interesting. Yeah. I think that that's, what's so cool about it, right? It's just like the, you, you want to be, it's like you're on call, but you just got to be ready at all times. And that's what, that's what makes it exhilarating. Like if you're talking about shooting a, what, like what makes shooting a show so fun for people like us and plenty of people who listen to us who are fans of shooting music, you know, RIP to shows or whatever, but like, it's the fact that like things are happening so fast and things are so instant, like that you just don't have time to think. It's almost like a sport, in my opinion. That's what I loved about shooting shows from the beginning is that I felt like it was like a sport, you know? Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know the set list, but especially if you're shooting locally, like, you're, this is your first time you've seen the show. So you're just straight off instinct. Like, being in the right place at the right time is total instinct. If you're doing video photo, you're like, do I video this moment? Do I photo this moment? That's pure instinct. Like, you know, you're just planning out everything. Oh, I need a shot from behind the stage. I need a shot from the crowd now. Let me go get a shot of people's hands blah, blah, blah. And like on tour, it's like that, but every single day and you're just constantly like on call and you don't know what to expect, but you got to make sure you have your camera ready. You got to make sure that if you do have downtime, do you just lay there or should I be planning? Should I be pulling selects and, and starting to edit and starting to craft something? So that way when this week's over and I have a deliverable due, I'm already ahead of, ahead of schedule, you know, right. it's like constant stimulus. I think that's what, what's that actually contributes to when you get off tour, you're kind of just like, damn, and there's a little down moment because you're so used to every day just like being on, on the fly and just being like constantly like pushed to do something most of the time, even if it's, you're not working, like you're in a new city. So you're just like, let's go out. Let's, let's like get out and try to try to do something. What can we create? Like, let's go shoot this environment or draw, fly the drone or, and it's all that stuff. And I think that's what makes it so fun, but it also takes a lot of like, it takes definitely a lot of energy out of you. Like you said, you wake up at 10, and you may, you know, be working, but then the minute seven o'clock hits, it's like from seven to three, that's like go, go, full go, on go, go. like sport mode, you know? Well, you know, it's so, cr- so like for people, you know, for people who do get to tour or dream about touring, it's like getting the scale of our, our touring history to be able to tour with Beyonce and Jay-Z. We were in fucking stadiums, like Olympic stadiums. We were in these places that could hold a hundred thousand plus people and not everyone that tours gets to experience that shit. I, the first time I toured and I thought I was killing it, I'm like, man, you know what I mean? It would be a dream to be able to shoot something like that. But the only artists I could ever, that would ever fill a stadium, you know what I mean? Are the, the numbers, there's not that many. There's not that many. So you never, like, I never thought I would be able to do it or I dreamt of being able to do it, but I didn't think it was very possible. And so therefore, like, the tours we most, all of us usually get access to are like, smaller artists that play small venues or are playing like theaters or whatever. And then the occasional arenas are way easier to fill than a stadium. So like Daniil is doing arenas, which is like the second biggest place you can ever document. So there's like all these strategies you have to have um, to being able to shoot that. But, but before even getting to arenas and all tours in general, I think it's important to talk about communication because I remember on Q's tour, I would just beat myself down every single day like you did for those three days in a row. I just did that for the the whole fucking tour. Like I, the whole time I'm just, 
it's a new show every night. I can't remember how many shows we played in, in five months. It was fucking nonstop every single night. There were some shows where it'd be like literally like 16 days of straight shows. And so I'm shooting, editing, delivering, waking up, editing, shooting, del- you know, on repeat over and over again. And you, you wear your brain down. And I think there's this expectation that you can set for yourself that people are like, oh, wow, this is a, this is a great amount of content, right? And I remember like we were in Texas one time and I, I was like, I had got, I finesse, I was, I'm an ultimate finesse of getting free shit. So I got us uh, all the scooters, electric scooters. And so we had gotten it a couple of cities before we got to Texas and it was the shit. Cause we'd pull up and Joey, Joey Badass's bus would pull up and um, everyone would just grab the scooters and just mob around. We'd go ride by the fans in the front. We'd go out into the cities, whatever you could like go pretty far. This is before bird scooters and shit. And I remember like I was working my ass off editing and like just waking up and I was like, I just need to fucking see Dallas. We're in Dallas. I need yeah. to go see what Dallas is ha- like, what's happening here. You know what I mean? I remember hopping on the, the um, or maybe we were in Houston. I don't remember where I was, but I hopped on the bird scooter thing and I hauled down to like the city and just cruised around. And honestly, I didn't have an objective. I just like, mo- I just mobbed for a little bit and I came back and I think like they're on their way to, to do meet and greet. And something funny happened. And so whenever something funny happens, they just expect a camera to be on all the time. At, at the time, this is how it was, that they thought, I, like, I just need to be filming everything. Like, yo, you just missed a great joke or whatever. I'm like, yo, great jokes happen every day, like, it's just because I missed that one. But I didn't have anything established to to say, like, yo, I need time. I need to, I need reset time. I can't do this all the time or you're going to burn me out. You know what I mean? So the expectation was that there should always be a camera running and you've allowed yourself not to have a window of time for yourself. You know what I mean? Because you came in here guns blazing and you've been doing it nonstop. So like, that's just what we expect. I remember I came back and they're like, yo, oh, Q wanted something funny happened. And Q wanted to have filmed or whatever. You missed it. I was like, oh shit. And I remember coming up and I was like kind of nervous because my boss is, you know, like he's upset. And I think it was kind of early into the tour and shit. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get sent home for fucking some dumb ass reason. But at the same time, I literally had just been editing in the bus all day before this shit that no one saw me. Like, I didn't see anyone all morning. I was just in the bus by myself editing. And then I go out for a little cruise for like 40 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, come back. And Q's like, yo, man, you need to, you got to be ready at all times, man. I feel like you've been slacking since we got the, since we got them <laughs> scooters, man. You just out there riding them scooters all the time. I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? I literally was maybe gone for 40 minutes tops. And I, but I'm listening to him and he's kind of scolding me. And I was like, oh, you don't know what I've been doing all day. Like, you don't know that I've been just beating my ass trying to make this video and 50 people keep coming in and out of the bus disrupting me or whatever. And I'm just in grind mode. I need that time for myself. Like, if I don't have that, I'm going to fucking go crazy and you're not going to get any videos at all. So then eventually I'm like, yo, nah, this is what it was. Like, you have this is how my day was. And he's like, oh, all right, cool. And I like said it with them. And then after that, I was like, yo, I need to, t- hey, I'm about to take my break. You know what I mean? It's my time for a smoke break. Like I need this shit for myself to be able to, I don't smoke, but like I need my 15 minutes to like go stand outside like people do at their jobs because you got to stay healthy and shit. So I think like once I was able, once I learned, oh, communication is key. Like I need to explain to these people that I need time for myself or, or to stay up all night tonight for no fucking reason is crazy. Let me get a decent night's sleep. And then tomorrow let me edit uninterrupted at a, in a hotel room. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just let me have yeah, that. It's, I, it's setting it's setting the structure. It's yeah. like I think the the structure gets lost and it's easy to get like lost in the sauce in that in that way because you know, maybe you stay up you stay up all night one night and then you shoot all, all day or whatever, and then maybe 
two shows later, it's like, oh, there's this party, like, and everyone's like in a great mood and down and like, you should come, whatever. Like you have, maybe you don't have a show the next day and you go out, to, you go out to a bar and you're like, you could go and just party or whatever. And then just double down. And the next day you're probably beat up and you don't catch a second or you could be like, nah, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to go to my hotel room and the way I'm going to wake up and go to the hotel gym or whatever. I'm going to do pushups outside the bus or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, and, and like setting that structure is so important because like you, like I said before, it's, it is kind of like a sport in the sense of you got to stay in great, in a mental state. You got to stay in a great, in a, like physical shape because you're eating whatever you're sleeping at random times and all that affects the way you feel every day. And then you're like kind of sluggish and it's funny how tour really is like that. It's like, you know, like a season of sports games where you're just like going one after the other after the other. And you like have to kind of like create your routine and your, your like practice your ritual, like what, what's going to make me perform well, what's going to allow me to be able to edit the best content or shoot the best photos. You know what I mean? Stay inspired creatively. No, you need it. And even out here, like there's rules set up to defend creatives, right? There's rules set up to be like, all right, if you're on set for a certain amount of hours, you need a certain amount of time in between sets so that you, and the idea is the same as like a tour bus driver. Tour bus drivers can drive for eight hours a day, but then they need a mandatory seven or eight hours of sleep every night. And, and that's like a rule. And I remember learning about that when I worked at a local music venue and I thought it was so cool. Cause I was, <laughs> I was like the, I got to like drive the bus driver to the hotel. So the dude could sleep or the chick could sleep for, you know, whatever, seven or eight hours. And then they come back the next morning and hop in their bus and the band would be asleep in there and they just start driving to the next location. And I thought it was so cool. Cause I'm like, Oh, I get to drive the bus driver. I get to ask him questions like, Hey, so who all of you toured, you know, who has been in your bus and shit. And they just like, just take me to the spot. And I just, I think that you need to set up those rules make sense for people because it's like, well, if they don't sleep, they'll crash the bus. And that makes sense for a lot of people. It's the same thing right. of like, it's the same way we get fucking shaded on our rates all the time because people just think you can, that shit can go up and down based on just opportunity. But a bus driver has to drive this far every single day. The rate is right, this. Because the, there's stakes there where it's like, okay, if he doesn't sleep, it'll then kill us. People, humans are in danger, yeah. you know? But it's like the same same concept, yeah. but different. You know? They don't think that, but it's like, yo, you'll really notice some shit in people's work. Like you could get really lazy on uh, on coloring because you're fucking, it's four in the morning, you haven't slept at all. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden your photos aren't looking that great anymore or your your video edit's kind of sluggish or, or it's just not as inspiring as it used to be. And that's just because you're beat down. But if you can really find ways to pace yourself when you get on the road, that shit can do a lot for you creatively and for your final product and the, the person that you're working for is gonna they want that shit anyway they just don't know it you know what I mean yeah one of my favorite like this is and this is any tour I don't care how big it is small it is like the feeling when you walk out like when the, the first song's about to start or whatever and it's like and everyone's like ah, and then it's like dark and you're like walking out with your camera and you're like holy shit this is fucking dope you know what I mean like let's let's get it like right. it's it's game time like that's how it feels you know we'd be high-fiving like we're ready and you got to be sharp in those moments. And there, there, there are plenty of nights. There are nights where like, you know, maybe there's an event or something and the next day you're feeling kind of down. And you remember Ben, I just like go in the fridge and get a Red Bull. And I'm like, we need I don't want to drink this too early because I want this to hit right when, right yeah, when it starts. Right you know? when the show starts. And like, man, but you know, you, you got to be mentally sharp. And like, let, let's talk about this though, because it, it's interesting. I think in terms of be, about being sharp, it's, and I think a great part of the Danilo video is the, his, when he plans his shot list and really how he, how he visualizes and kind of plans ahead because like I was talking about before, if you're shooting locally and you're just shooting an artist for the first time, you know, it would be smart for you to ask them for the shot list and ask them for the pyro 
cues and, and kind of get a sense of like, yo, what are the big songs? What do you, what, what is a moment that you really like and get a, a plan ahead? Because these things happen so fast. If you're not prepared, you're going to be like, unless you, that's what you have instinct, but you're going to be caught, you know, in the wrong place when a big moment happens and you, you know, you're going to be caught off guard. And I think, uh, I think it'd be cool to share kind of how we planned our shots or how we, what was our process when we like, we're going out for a show in terms of like, where am I going to be and what shots am I looking to get today? You know? Yeah. Uh, so going back to like, when I, like at the beginning of Q's tour, I was, I hop, I joined the tour after like a day or two had already happened. And so rehearsals already happened. I didn't know the show at all. And so I just remember trying to shoot and understand when I could do it. I remember sending it on stage with the Ronin on the first night we were in Detroit and I remember sending it, but also feeling like hella nervous. Cause I'm like, I don't really know Q yet. I don't know if he even wants me to be up here. How close can I get to him? There's all these questions I had, you know what I mean? That I had to talk to him about the next day. But once I learned, I started really studying the show and being like, all right, cool. So when he walks out, there's like this cool moment where he's, you know, he just comes out and everyone goes crazy and the lights are all off, but the phones look nuts. So what if I follow him out and I get this shot from behind his shoulders, you know what I mean? Like a typical shot. But what happened was I would do that like every show. I was like, all right, that's the shot. And then after a while, I realized I'm like, I'm getting the same fucking shot every show. What the fuck? So the next day I would go out to the crowd and I'd shoot it from that point of view. All right, what's it like from their perspective? All right, what's it like from all the way in the back of the venue's perspective? You know what I mean? Like you started shifting the way because I'm like, if I just keep doing the same thing or if I just sit on the stage all day long, I'm only getting those angles. You know what I mean? That doesn't make the show look that exciting if it's just always sitting from the one spot. And I learned that real quick. Um, I, I, I knew that quickly in Q's tour, but like I learned it like shooting with like Chris Brown and doing some of his shows and being like, all right, there's, I got to move around and what coverage can I get? Like understanding that made me learn the importance of planning your shots, understanding the venue, going in and diving. That's why we, you know, right when we did that first in the field with, uh, with Levi, with Joey Badass, it was like, let's show how he plans. Let's show how he makes sure he knows where he's at and, and, and structures and, and it. how he was sprinting from spot to spot, you know, literally sprinting. I think the dopest part about the tour is like, you learn the show. So inside, I knew that I knew the show that on our tour, like literally like the back of my hand, I can yeah. tell you exactly what happens at exactly what part in the song and what are the dope, what, what positions are great to get what angles. And you just learn that over time. But like those moments are quick and you have to be in the right spot. And if you know that, okay, behind the, you know, behind the stage on the left side, for this song is the best shot. But the next song, I know that the artist is going to walk out the other platform and the best way is to be straight on. Then like you have to get that shot and you know that you got to sprint or move and like be at this spot at, the, at a certain time or leave at a certain time to get there, to get that shot. And like, that's the whole game of it is like understanding the, what moments are big in each song. Like what are the big, like important moments that you want to capture? And then where are those, what are the best positions? And I think the coolest part is discovering shots. Like, you know, like you may be shooting a certain part of the song a certain way. And then maybe you, you're like, like you said, you're like, I'm getting this too much. And you go from a different angle or whatever. And then on the process of doing that, you would discover a new shot. We're like, damn, it looks amazing from this, mm -hmm. this point of view. And you start like discovering that and kind of like exploring that perspective of that song and, and adding that sauce in. And I think that's kind of cool. It's like, you're constantly trying to unpack like, with the limitations that you have, like what are the best, most interesting ways I can shoot this thing, you know? Well, and something we, so we have another in the field episode that we've already shot and it'll come out at some point of time around Rolling Loud Festival and, and working on productions like at festivals and shit. But I think that one good piece of advice that comes from that video is like building the relationships with security. You know what I mean? So like if you know 
that there's a really cool spot here and you need to make a quick run over to this other area. And all of a sudden someone who's working security sees some random person like running real quick and probably wearing all black and just like moving really fast or trying to jump over a barrier or whatever. You run into a bunch of issues with that. But if you've built relationships with a lot of people and they understand like what you're doing and how you're planning on doing it, it makes it easier to get access to certain things. Like if you have a conversation with someone that you say, hey, yo, during the middle of the set, there's this one thing and I'm going to be running over here and probably jump over that barrier. I'm just letting you know that right now. The way that you're able to do that without any issues is unlocked versus if you just try to move in your own world and you're always creating your own world. And we ran into this all the time on, on every tour I've done. I've always ran into this. It's like you just... Sometimes you can't plan for shit, so you it is what it is. But like, if you know, like, oh, I'm going to try to make a move for this or I'm going to try to be on stage for this one spot or I'm going to do this, just working with the whole squad makes your life so much easier to be able to communicate that shit, build those relationships, build those... And they're going to fight for you too. Sometimes they'll even create opportunities for you to move around in spaces that you didn't even know you could get on. You know what I mean? By just being friendly and opening it up where I, I've seen so many people just walk around there in their own world and they think they're the shit and everyone bows down to them and then... You know, you've, you just, you're an asshole. Yeah, when spe- you do that speaking shit. of that rolling, that, I think it's a great example from that rolling loud video because I don't know if it was the baby that, that came out The baby came out and it was like right when his album had dropped or Bop was going crazy. Bop was going they had nuts. the Jabberwockies and the, in rolling loud, the pit was so imagine how like that many people in the same spot, like with today's where the way the world is today, like looking back on that is insane, that but the COVID pit was so spot. disgustingly packed. Like yeah. there was like 50 photographers to 60 to 75 photographers on the same spot and they they cleared everyone out and like knowing the security guards was so key in that moment because i remember the homie brett who was shooting for rolling loud he's in the video everyone told us that he's just like cool with all the security guards and it helped him out so much because they they were planning ahead and they knew okay when the baby walks out with the jabberwockies he's going to come all the way down the shot's going to be straight on right? right so they got in position early and they were cool with the security guards. So when they kicked everyone out, they just like ducked down and the security guards were mad cool with them leaving. And then they get the shot they need. Right. And that came, that came out with like pre-planning plus being cool with security. It's like, those things are so key, you know? I think that there's, there's so much shit that you can cut. Like, it's funny. Cause me and Dave, obviously you guys listening can tell when we have like very structured podcasts and yeah. then the ones where we are just like, let's just jam on this idea for a little bit. And this one was just a cool, the video just dropped. So, I, you know, we're just inspired to share it. And I think, uh, you know, I, we can't wait for this fucking year to restart. <laughs> so we're getting there. But I do think if you, you know, for if you have questions about touring, this gives us an opportunity to make more content around it on our channel too. So if you do have questions, you should go hop on Daniela's video, check it out. And if there's still more questions, if it didn't answer your questions, you should drop them in the comments and um, we'll be checking them out. But I think that'll help us with the idea. Like, I think you guys are going to be a huge part of us curating content for the channel too. So if there's ever things that you guys think we could be, you know, discovering or deep diving into and and making podcasts and making shorter form episodes about it, like we would love to to hear from you guys and, and hear more about that. Cause we could talk about touring all fucking day long and tell you the number one thing. The first thing I ever learned about touring was you don't sleep head first on the bus. You sleep with your feet because if that bus slams on its brakes, you don't want to break your neck. You want to break your feet. All right. That's major key. It's a major key. That was one first thing. I shout out to Eric Friedman, who t- he tours. He's a Sublime tour manager. He's the reason why we had Rome, the singer of Sublime, on this podcast. And he's the first person I called because I knew he knew how to tour. And he said, "Don't do that shit." And also, wear fucking sandals in the showers. <laughs> I said, "You're a genius, man." <laughs> but yo, um, 
You know, you know what? Last week we uh we put out a not last week, just since we started this new community questions of the week thing, we've been saying like, please someone make us a fucking trigger. No, I think it was like two weeks ago where we said like, yo, if anyone makes us a trigger, I can't remember. We yeah, said it, but but someone um, came through. You know, someone came through by the name of Alex or or Chili's. I don't know how you say your last name. I'm sorry, dog. He submitted a couple, and uh, we're gonna run this one right now. And now it is time for the community questions of the week. Submitted by our very own BWNC members. Yo, do you have questions that you want to ask Dave and I? <laughs> that shit was so tight. It sounded like pretty official for, for him just like right. making some shit on the fly. Uh, I don't know how to come out of that and not just like address that he just made that for us, which is tight as fuck. But yeah, so anyway, this section, if you have questions, uh, we'd love to help you out. You can email us your question with a voice note or video to BWNC submit at gmail.com. Keep it 90 seconds or less, and we'll answer a handful of questions at the end of each morning roast episode. Um, the first one comes from James. Let's run it. Yo, Ben, Black With No Cream. What's good, everybody? So basically, the last couple weeks, I've been really busy uh, shooting content, and I've been going out. I've been networking a lot and uh, like linking up with um, some relatively uh, like famous rappers and things along those lines. But... The thing is, is that it's kind of just been like people I know hitting me up to go out and film and it's not like, yo, I'll pay you such and such. Um, I'm not going to name drop and say anything like that. But I guess what my question is, is the last couple weeks, it's been pretty frequent where like pretty much every day I've been going out and uh, I've been building my network a lot, you know, relationships that could last a long time. But it's starting to get to the point where my days are pretty much being filled because I work a day job too. And so I guess what my question is, is do I keep doing this forever or do I um, get to a point where I say no, like I need some monetary compensation in order to go out and film. So I guess let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Doing it a little bit, I don't really care about it, but um, when it comes to like being a lot, like as much as it's been the last couple of weeks, it, it starts to get pretty tiring, <laughs> losing sleep and just uh, trying to focus on it. So let me know. Thanks. Yo, James, thanks for the question, dog. First off, it's good that you've been putting yourself out there and getting access to, you know, potential clients. Um, but it is always that, that give and take portion of it, right? Like everyone's taking from you and you're giving a lot. And at a certain point you need to be able to throw your stamp on there and say like, Hey, yo, I need to get paid for this shit. How you do it is always the part that makes people the most nervous, I think. Like asking for money makes everyone so fearful as a creative. So, and I know we've talked about this a lot in the How to Charge a Client Guide. I guess it's a good time to plug that shit. But I think one of the, the, the key things that you could do, especially if your client is gaining value by this content you're creating for them. You know what I mean? Like if it's someone that's, like you said, it's an artist, right? And if the artist is able to take that video that you made for them and put it out and promote their song. And that song makes them money on Spotify. They're gaining from that. Like they're making money off of it. So they might not see a ton of income coming in from it or whatever they're going to say to you, but it's still, you know, your, your time is worth your money, especially when you have a full-time job. And if you ever plan to leave that full-time job, you're going to have to start making it money at some point. So I think I would just position it as, you know, just have a reasonable conversation with these people and say like, yo, look, these videos have been fun. Um, to to go out and shoot, but I I need to take this a little bit more serious and I need to make some money. So 
I don't want to, you know, start off crazy, but I think that this would be worth my time if you paid me X for the next one. And just position it in a way that you're willing to work with them because you know that you've been giving it to them for free, but, you know, maybe a couple hundred bucks would go a long way for me to want to keep creating with you, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I think, uh, like, it's the balance between, I think we've, we answered a question similar to this, but, like, going out and shooting for free is valuable in the sense of, like getting it, getting in the door and proving your value to the point where then you can establish your worth and your value in terms of a price. Right. But there is a, there is a a point where you got to start putting your foot down and being okay with them walking away. potentially like the fear of that is what's holding you back from establishing a price. So you're just taking everything, which is great because you're, you know, it it is great. And, and even if you stop, like, at least you got that experience, you made an impression on them, blah, blah, blah. Like all that's, there's value there, but you can't do it forever. And at some point you're going to have to say, you know, Hey, you know, this is my rate and really communicate to them. Like, this is, this is what it costs for me to do this. Like, or maybe on the first, the first opportunity you say, like you, you present your price, but you offer them the opportunity to give them wiggle room. And maybe they come back at you and they say, Hey, like, we don't have a budget for this. Like, would you be willing to do this for free? Blah, blah, blah. And then you would be like, I'll be willing to do this for free for you this first time to establish this relationship with you guys and get in with you guys but just going from there moving forward, I'm, I'm going to need to charge my full rate for this. The first time you work with them, you over-deliver f- with them on terms of the content you're delivering for them and communicate, develop relationships, whatever, to the point where you hope that the next time, you know, if they come to you and they've been impressed with your work and you set your price on them and they walk away, that's what it is. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, if you just keep working for free, they're always going to pay you for free. It's just the way it is. And like, there, there is a balance between... Uh, taking the work for free to get the opportunity and also undermining your value. Because once someone knows they can pay you 200 bucks to do the job and you come at them with a thousand or 1500, you've already distorted their opinion on what you're worth. So it's like, at some point you just say, yo, this is my rate and this is what it is. And you know, you communicate with them, you work with them. Maybe you shave a couple hundred dollars off, whatever, just to continue to build the relationship, but you're working towards your full rate and just feeling empowered and, and getting paid for your work. You know, don't keep working for free just because, you know, it's a great way to get in the door, but at some point you got to set the expectation. Yeah, you know? and a last, a last note too is, you know, if you're working with artists that are small and don't have money in general, right? Like a lot of artists just don't have the funds. They don't have the budgets to be able to pay a full day rate to make it worth you not clocking into your full-time job anymore. But in that case, what are some ways that you could create opportunities for them to make money? If that artist has any sort of following at all, it's like, yo, what if we reached out to a brand and ask them to do some product placement in the next one. And then whatever that money is could pay for my rate. You know what I mean? Like help them find opportunities to pay you, like make it stick out a little bit. You could also see if they'd be willing to split some of the residuals of the record with you. If they're, you know, an unsigned artist, like they have the power to say like, cool, I'll just make you an account on our distribution platform and I can give you 20% of whatever the song makes. If your video helps my song get a million views or a million plays on Spotify, there's money to be made there and that shit could kick back to you. So there's ways to think outside of the box to help them come up with ways to make money, especially if they aren't selling merch. Cool. Let's sell merch. And then with whatever money you make off there, pay me. You know what I mean? Like I'm helping you come up with ways to make sure that you get content. It's not my job to pay myself. You know what I mean? Like you will pay me and I'm helping you come up with some alternative ways that could help get that shit done. You know what I mean? So hopefully that helps. Let's run into the second question, which is from Pat. Hey, my name is Pat. My Instagram is Samarin by Pat. Um, I'm a visual artist. I paint on canvas mostly. 
in acrylic or oil medium. I also do hand painted terracotta pots. Um, my question is pertaining to Black Friday and Cyber Monday. How is it that you remain motivated during a time people are actively looking to spend money, but you don't receive any sales? Pat, thanks for asking the question. I know you uh, you had to hit me up about this, I think, on Instagram or something. And to dive in a little deeper, what she's talking about, she's saying that she's got all of her art for sale and she was trying to run you know, sales around a, a holiday themed sale time and didn't get any sales, which, yo, we've tried to do. Honestly, I hate Black Friday for that reason for small business owners, because I'm never really looking at your shit when one of those days hit because you know, like, oh, hell yeah, the fucking Samsung TVs and the big shit that the big ticket items that cost way too much money are available at a cheaper rate right now. And so most people are thinking that same way. So I think smaller artists with um, maybe like more like up, you know, the art isn't a necessity, not like a TV isn't a necessity right away. Like it's all fun shit that we all want to like invest into. But I think when you, when you try to like tent pole uh, around a specific date and people are looking at other shit, you shouldn't get discouraged from that. You know what I mean? Like, especially for an artist, like it's hard to like put money tied to your art. And then if no one's buying your shit, you, that's a reflection of you as an artist. You know what I mean? Like one of my homies, she would always do um, art festivals or whatever. So I'd hang out there all the time and people walk by that shit all the time. And if people don't pick something up, I can understand how that could deteriorate your thought process of how you are perceived as an artist. You know what I mean? But it's the same thing. If we don't get a job one week, it sucks, but someone else is going to come along along the way and purchase that shit down the road. You know what I mean? Or someone's going to pay for your services or pay for your ideas at some point. But I wouldn't like let that shit steer you down um, just because, you know, fucking Black Friday didn't bring in a little bit of money for you, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, personally, I don't have much experience with art sales, so I won't speak to that necessarily, but I do think it's valuable to like make sure your your inspiration, your motivation, like the fulfillment that you get from the art stays centered on the actual creation of the art, right? And keep the selling component as something separate that you're going to work through as a business person, right? Because that's the, that's the combination of the two. It's you're the artist, you're the painter. That's what you do. So you're creating the painting and you're fulfilled from creating the painting and you can know that this is a great piece of art standing alone. And then there's the business person side of, the, of it where it's just like, how do I position this, create demand, sell this art, Right. And those are separate things, right? That not selling doesn't mean the art isn't great. Doesn't mean you aren't a great artist. It's mm-hmm. the business side that needs work or needs some, some, some tweaking, some gear turning to figure out how do I get this art in front of people that it'll buy. But as long as you're fulfilled with the art and you know, you're making great art, it's like music artists who are discouraged from, you know, they're, they might be making great songs, but it's not clicking and they got to keep grinding. They got to keep grinding to figure out how do I make my music push through? Cause I know my music's great. Like as long as you're secure in that, then you can, turn your brain towards the business side and figure out like, okay, how do I, re- how do I create demand and, and how do I create interest around my art that people would actually want to buy it? Yeah. But even like we don't, we didn't do, we did Black Friday sale last year and the shit was terrible. You know what I mean? Cause no one's trying to buy our t-shirts on a day where they can go get SD cards for like five bucks and uh, you know what I mean? Like camera gear or whatever it is, computer shit, monitors, all that stuff. Like I'm never thinking, I'm thinking Christmas gifts, which art would fall under that most of the time. But, you know, I mean, it's just really hard to sell stuff like that when you're competing against these fucking conglomerates who just have like just give crazy discounts on like high ticket items. Yeah, you know what? I This is a sidebar to this, but also kind of parallel with it. But a cool marketing tactic that I just saw was from Humans of New York. You know that Instagram account? 
what they did that I thought was cool. I saw someone, a person I knew shared like, hey, my, you know, this person just told their story on Humans of New York and I'm so proud of them for sharing the story or whatever. So I went and checked out the story and the person shared this detailed story. This, the photos were a fo- like a portrait of them and then you swipe and kind of see photos that parallel with the story they told. And at the very end, the last slide was their book, the Humans of New York book. So they told, they allowed these people to use their platform to st- share their story. And then at the end of it, they promoted their book that is a book about sharing human stories or whatever. But what I thought was cool about that shit is the only reason I came was because someone I knew was featured on there. Therefore, that audience, although it wasn't like a massive, like multi-million person followed account, they had their, they had a small audience. People go over to read that story and then you get put onto the book and then possibly buy a book there, which is crazy to think of like, I just thought it was a, I just want to share that with people who are listening because I thought that was a cool-ass marketing tactic for them to be like, all right, we'll give you access to our platform. People will hear your story and what we're going to do in exchange is like also promote our book there. Where like an artist could do something very similar like locally, like you could share a local person's story. They're going to share it to five of their friends. They're going to go read that story and somehow you could work in your art to that shit and therefore you may encourage someone to purchase, you know, purchase a piece of your art. I'm just rambling, but I'm just coming up with some. If you were literally sitting here like, how can I sell my art? And we sat down, that would have been like, Something I would start talking about. <laughs> All right, we got to end this one. It's time to go surf, dog. Uh, I'm going to meet you at the beach in like an hour. For sure. We'll catch um, you guys next week. Yeah, appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for submitting. If you haven't submitted yet, make sure to submit a question so we can keep this up. It's always fun being able to hear from y'all and answer those questions and stuff. So what else What else should we say to end this? Nothing. I think, yeah, we'll try to come come through with uh, something, with the episode kind of preparing us and you guys on on like preparing for the for the next the new year and, and getting our minds straight so we can we can go kill this thing you know yo thanks for listening to this episode we have one more left for the year another morning roast episode that's going to help you prepare for 2021 we got a great uh piece of advice for that episode so make sure to tune in next week subscribe to our youtube channel we're going hammer on that channel don't forget it and uh yeah we love you guys thanks for listening to us and we'll see you in a few days you bitch. Yeah.